Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Christopher Kelly, co-founder and president of Covene, discusses Beyond Coworking, the evolution of agile workplace strategies. So welcome to our second talk of the day in the Coworking Learning Theater, uh, Beyond Coworking, the evolution of agile workplace strategies. Um, the talk will be by Chris Kelly, who's the co-founder and president of Convene. Uh, Chris is uh, the co-founder, as I said, and president of Convene, which is a workplace-as-a-service platform. Convene operates a network of full-service meeting and event venues and partners with landlords to infuse hotel-like services and amenities in commercial office buildings. Serving 70% of New York's Fortune 500, the company has 20 locations in New York, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., with locations in Los Angeles, London, and Chicago coming soon. Chris is an active thought leader and industry spokesperson and has spoken at WorkTech, Cornell Baker School of Real Estate, NYU Shack Institute of Real Estate, and the MIT Center for Real Estate. He's been recognized as the top entrepreneur by Crane's New York business, a finalist in EY's Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, and is the only person twice recognized on Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30 list of most promising young entrepreneurs. And I'll turn it over to Chris. Let's see. The microphone, great. Um, thank you guys for finding me in this corner. I had trouble finding it myself. Um, so I, I'd like to kind of break down the general category of co-working uh, into its finer parts because I think that we've been using a, a, a blanket category to describe what is starting to become a very specialized network of tools for the real estate industry. Uh, and then I'd like to kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a peek into what we're seeing uh, with the conversations that we're having about what's ahead and really how the, the current paradigm of co-working is probably going to be replaced by something that's much more uh, evolved and integrated into workplace strategy and also into the asset. Um, so we got a lot to get, get through, so I'll, I'll, I'll take you through now. Um, so first is this conference, we've been talking so much about uncertainty and volatility, and we're talking a lot about the what, but we're not talking a lot about the why. So what is happening in the world that is necessitating us to evolve what has been uh, you know, a pretty steady business for over 100 years? What we're seeing is there's a polarizing effect between two different forces. One is we have increased volatility in the marketplace, right? We, something along the lines of 65% of the Fortune 500 companies from the year 2000 are off the list today. Right, so there's a ton of stability, and while there's a ton of instability, and while we often reflect and talk about how quickly the world is moving today, we rarely appreciate that it will never move this slowly ever again. And so the pace of change is only accelerating as we're, as we're moving forward. Um, now, on the other end of the spectrum, we have talent who is increasingly demanding in their expectations for quality of life at work. And we're seeing an unprecedented competition among companies for talent that's especially being driven by the fact that your traditional businesses are reinventing themselves as technology-enabled businesses, which has them competing for that tech talent, which has them using workplace as a weapon in the war for talent to compete against the Apples and the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. And so all these traditional industries are now having to reinvent their workplaces 
um, in a way that's chasing those, those other market leaders. Um, and the generations that are in the workforce today are responding to the kind of integration of their lives and their work by demanding higher experience at work. And really compensation is being redefined from being just cash comp and benefits to being uh, inclusive of quality of life at work. And so you have this necessity to have a campus style workplace environment, um, but very few companies actually have the wherewithal or scale to do that. And so between these polarizing effects of the need to be more efficient and more agile, but the need to have a higher quality of experience at work, this emerging category is involving to fill the gap in between. And that's really what we're talking about here. Um, you know, all the statistics support this. On the supply side, you see an unprecedented amount of uh, you know, co-working space, for lack of a better term, uh, coming into the market. 50% of co-working space in the world today has been brought on the market uh, since 2015. And this year alone, 10% of leasing activity in New York City has been attributed to co-working spaces. And then companies on the, on the corporate demand side are predicting that uh, you know, up to 30% of workplace will be consumed as flexible by the year 2030. And so here you see this evolving nature of our supply and demand. Um, within this, you're seeing that basically what, uh, there's a brand stratification in the co-working spaces that kind of resembles what you would see in, um, you know, in a hotel world, where you start to have stratification between uh, style of kind of traditional brands and progressive brands and then different price points ranging from a you know, higher, higher price point, higher quality to something that's more budget oriented. And so, so much of what is happening inside of co-working is actually has been foreshadowed by what we've already seen in the hospitality industry. Um, now, we call this category co-working, but it's actually starting to be a whole bunch of different things. If you were to draw the quadrants of uh, on-premise, off-premise, and on-balance sheet and off-balance sheet, you're going to start to populate those with uh, four different types of co-working um, that all have different structures. Right? So here we have co-located, which is when there is a co-working or shared services provider that is in the building uh, that the enterprise is located in. You have off-site co-working, which is kind of the traditional category, mostly geared around smaller business requirements. You have a managed workplace where you have a third party who's doing end-to-end -end management of your uh, corporate interiors and experience. And then you have co hosted co-working where companies like Verizon are spinning up their own co-working spaces, not really as a real estate solution, but part of their R&D budget. Right? So this category is way more than just what we have been calling co-working, and not breaking it down into its finer parts makes it very hard to navigate and manage. Um, so the most common uses that we see for co-working right now is you have M&A activity that's, uh, that's creating volatility uh, of, of requirement for the real estate professionals. You have satellite offices where the expectation for the quality of the experience is that of a headquarter office. Right? So if Apple or Google wants to move people from Cupertino or Mountain View into some smaller office, the expectation has been set by the HQ, but it's hard to replicate off-site in a smaller footprint. Um, people are wanting to move closer to their customer and closer to their talent. Um, we have swing space and overflow. And then cultural transformation is actually one of the single biggest reasons why we see large enterprise adopting uh, uses like convene workplace. The reason being is because if you want to change the way that people think, that's a lot more difficult than changing where people think. And so having to recruit 
tech talent is way easier to do offsite into a place that's a turnkey kind of you know innovation culture as opposed to having to renovate a larger footprint that's you know currently sitting as a cubicle farm. Um, so within the, the new space and services, there's kind of co-working 1.0, which is really where the world's mindset is focused on, and then there's the thing that's coming. Right, so co-working 1.0 was typically built as an afterthought into a building. Right, so nobody in the building was changing their leasing footprint based on the fact that the co-working company was there because it came after their space was drawn up. Um, it was primarily built for startups, and it was built not only for startups conceptually, but the quality of the, of the FF&E, of the technology infrastructure, of everything else, really is, an, is a startup-grade product whereas what the next thing is is going to be enterprise grade. And the focus was primarily on individual desks and small requirements. Now, enterprises are not very well served by this kind of legacy 1.0 style of co-working. What's coming next, and the future that I could see into from the conversations that we're having specifically with several major global landlords, is that we are now building new buildings or we are renovating buildings so that shared services, placemaking, co-working, uh, workplace as a service is built into that asset as a forethought that comes ahead of the traditional tenancy. So that all the traditional tenants are actually changing the way that their space is built in anticipation of those services being available to them. And it allows them to manage growth and volatility differently and more, more reliably than you have in the past. And it's really a product that is built for enterprises. Right, so it anticipates enterprise needs for larger spaces, for privacy, uh, the types of uh, IT infrastructure that's required for somebody like a large bank to come into a space. And the last thing is, is that it's not just about space, it's also about service and experience. So it's kind of, you know, as convene, we think about the relationship between physical space and service like the way Apple thinks about hardware and software. You don't build these two things you know, in, in two separate universes and don't anticipate one another. Instead, it's a completely integrated approach from the onset. So this is what, uh, this is what we call a convene-enabled building, but I think it's not only representative of what we're building, but it's also representative of where the entire market is going, which is really most easily understood as a commercial office building that has the service and amenity profile of a full-service hotel. And it's also why that previous kind of the brand stratification analogy with the hotel brands makes a lot of sense because here's what's happening. You have an entire building that anticipates a certain type of user and a certain type of use. Right? So you're going to start having buildings that are more geared towards uh, different industries and the amenity profile and the services will be specific and anticipating of what those types of companies would need. Um, so just like a hotel, you're going to have uh, you know, shared amenities like fitness centers that may be tenant exclusive, likely tenant exclusive. You'll have lobbies that are really renovated as third places, as lounges for the building, which will not only be there for the use of tenants, but also as kind of a permeable layer for the building to start to engage deep, more deeply with the communities that they serve. Um, you'll have shared spaces for things like uh, meeting spaces and conference facilities, because the value proposition of a company building a large conferencing facility like for their town hall is very low, right? It's the most expensive type of space to build, but it's the least utilized. Um, and so these are things that the landlord will start to bring onto their balance sheet as part of their placemaking strategy. And then you'll also have within that conference infrastructure at Convene, for example, we also have our catering kitchens that not only serve 
our event catering, but also cater to the entire building like uh, room service in a hotel. And we also have a pantry program uh, that stocks and serves pantries on every single floor. Um, and you know, lastly, we, we provide a lot of community uh, and tenant engagement in the building. So in places like One World Trade Center, where uh, we run all the amenities and programming, we do over 200 events a year for the tenants. And so the relationship between the landlord and the tenant and the user starts to become much more of kind of a consumer type experience uh, with a lot more thoughtful delivery of services. Um, and then of course, all of this needs to be connected through technology. Now, technology and prop tech is largely thought of a, a kind of in isolation to the rest of, uh, of these types of services. But in reality, what this is, if we take a step back, this is the shared economy being applied to real estate. And the shared economy is always, uh, is always reliant on a better technological infrastructure to start to reduce friction, increase connectivity, and make sharing more viable in buildings. Truthfully, the, the fact that co-working has gone as far as it has without technology as a connective tissue is pretty remarkable because there are very few examples of shared economy working in the world without technology enablement. Um, so this is what the entire ecosystem looks like. Um, you know, and, and, the, and the services are also equally part of this, right? So we touched on this earlier, but people think a lot about co-working as just real estate uh, solutions, but it's, it's a much broader, it's expanding to include a much broader uh, range of services, um, things like catering, coffee, fitness, wellness, community, and the technology platform. Um, so when we think about our, the way we're organizing a building, we think about it like a college campus, where we start to have a range of activity-based workplaces, some of which are inside of the tenant spaces and others which are shared by the building or shared uh, from the building to the public. Um, but and just like on a college campus where you always knew the right place to get a certain, uh, certain type of work done, in the future office building, you will float around and you know, probably not have a, a desk uh, unless you're in, in a certain types of departments like accounting and finance or you know, HR or design where you actually need desk-based resources. Um, and so you'll start to have a much more mobile workplace, uh, workplace that's consuming um, the, the office building as a campus would. And just like in, in university, you know, nobody, when you, when you get your grade or your performance review, nobody needs to ask you where that work got done. All that matters is the quality of the product. Um, and so here's a little bit of, you know, we, we, we are now developing a kit of parts. Uh, we're partnering with landlords and also with enterprises to help them to deploy this type of kit of parts inside of their workplaces. All of this is deeply thought through. We're vertically integrating the supply chain, the delivery, and we are anticipating flexibility and reuse in the way that we're building these spaces. So this is not a traditional build out where you build it and then if you, if you change occupants then you have to rip it all down and rebuild it. This is built as a, with flexibility as a forethought. Um, and then this is, our, uh, this is our typical work suite which can be reconfigured for a number of different uses. Um, now, just walk you through. You know, this is uh, what I walked you guys through today is all kind of renderings and sketches, but uh, all of these things are real in different buildings inside of Convene's uh, you know, 20 asset portfolio. Um, you know, we have meeting and event spaces um, that we run and operate. We have 
the, our workspace product now launched in New York, Philadelphia, and LA, uh, Chicago coming soon. Uh, all, of the, all of the food services that convene are done completely in-house, so we have kitchens on-premise, chefs and culinary teams on-premise at every single one of our buildings. Um, and then this is, this, is actually, this is actually a rendering of that box, that kit of parts that I showed you guys uh, a couple minutes ago. This is actually a rendering of what that is. But depending on who the customer is, we can reskin that asset um, and, and reskin the aesthetic uh, based on the particular tenant. So that's it. I think we have uh, two minutes left to spare for questions. So we'll turn, turn it back to you guys. Sorry, that was a bit of a whirlwind, but I, I knew we could get through it. So I think I'll, I'm going to restate your question for everybody who can't hear it. I think you're saying, aren't all you guys kind of doing the same thing? Is that the nature of your question? Okay, well, if that was your question, the way I would answer it uh, is that all of the shared workspace providers, we are more similar than we are different, but the differences and the nuances are really important. And it's really important to note that, you know, there is no provider that is better than any other provider. It's use case specific and it's user specific. Just like the way that there's all these different hotel chains, you know, Four Seasons is not a better hotel than, uh, than a Sheridan or a Marriott, it's just different. And it depends on who the user is and what the use case is. And so uh, my expectation is that we'll see a proliferation of brands in the category to start serving uh, users more specifically because as the level of services and the level of pre-built design that we're rolling out increases, so does our need to specialize and anticipate a specific user with a specific set of needs that we deeply understand. And gone are the days when all the, all the flexible workspaces are generic and, and kind of, you know, all more or less the same. And so the people who will succeed inside of the shared workspace business will be the people who understand who their customer is and who loves them deeply, uh, not companies that are trying to serve everybody at once. Sure. So we have time for one more. Sure. Yeah, so the question was around what are the, what are, how do you address the security concerns, which I would assume is both physical security and then especially the information, the IP and IT. Um, we, we've worked through that to create segmented zones for specific users. Uh, what we find is typically those large enterprise users that have very specific needs for their IP protection and IT protection, et cetera, they tend to take larger spaces where you can kind of block those off. They get dedicated server infrastructure um, and they get dedicated spaces uh, that, that have glass walls just like the way their traditional offices do. It's just a different delivery model that, that we're bringing to market. So uh, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. I will stick around afterwards. Uh, also, if anybody has questions, uh, ckelly at convene.com is, is my email address, you know, especially as we're rolling out our enterprise uh, service options. We'd love to hear from, from you guys. So thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or a point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own?
Visit cornetglobal.org forward slash podcast.